This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Law and Behold on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Article 10 of the Constitution of Malaysia guarantees Malaysian citizens the right to freedom of speech, freedom of assembly and freedom of association. So today on our show, we want to tackle freedom of association in particular. And joining me to do that are Firdaus Husni, the Chief Human Rights Strategist at the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights and Ki Hui Yi, a lawyer with Kanasalingam & Co. Uh, and if you're not familiar with it, Law and Behold is our monthly series which aims to arm Malaysians with constitutional literacy done in collaboration with the Malaysian Bar, the University of Malaya's Faculty of Law and the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights. Welcome ladies, how are you today? Good, good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple of months since we've spoken, so nice to see the yeah. both of you oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. So, yes, freedom of association. Uh, we've tackled, you know, the other two quite a bit on this uh, on this series. So let's tackle freedom of association today. Fundamental liberty guaranteed to every citizen under Article 10.1c of the Federal Constitution and the same rights enjoyed under Article 20, Clause 1 of the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Am I correct? Um, can you help break it down? You know, what are we free? to associate with exactly? Uh, Sure, I can start. Um, So yes, as you rightly pointed out, our constitution, the Malaysian constitution, uh, guarantees every citizen uh, the freedom uh, to associate. Specifically, the wording that it uses is that is the right to form association. So even though that that is literally you know the only wording there that relates to freedom of association, uh, when we talk about uh, freedom of association, it should also include freedom to disassociate. Mm. It should also include the right to uh, refuse to join an association. So that's one. It should also include the right to dissolve an associations. Uh, you know, if you see it no longer serve its purpose, for example. It should also include the right to resign from an association. So essentially, uh, the way I see it, all functions and purpose that relates to affiliating, joining uh, an organization or an association. And when we talk about association, what is this association that we meant? Any grouping, actually, any types of grouping, be it political, be it trade unions, be it uh, non-governmental organisation, academic group, cultural, professional, uh, sports, like, say, for example, BAM, the Badminton Association of Malaysia, that's an example of a sports association. Uh, Religious bodies, for example, all of these groupings Mm -hmm. are all guaranteed um, the right uh, of association under the federal constitution. Uh, and yes, um, this particular right is also recognized under the international human rights law, UDHR, you've mentioned that. And when uh, you look at uh, UDHR, it also talks about, uh, well, uh, the right is couched together with uh, freedom of peaceful assembly and association. Uh, and I don't think it's um, it's that hard to see the connection that when we talk about freedom of peaceful assembly uh, when we talk, uh, and freedom of association, there is a connection and in which uh, one right uh, enables the exercise uh, of the other right, for example. Uh, and Article 22 also says that no one person may be compelled to belong to an association. And mm. this relates to what I said earlier. You have the right to associate yourself with an organization. You have the right to disassociate yourself 
from an uh, association or organization. I'll stop here. Okay. Uh, Hui? Yeah, um, I think as, as what Thir said earlier, I think freedom association to us, maybe lay people, the public, we might not think it is so important. But then when we think about it, uh, if we still remember uh, before that provision Alku was was a repeal, um, students were not allowed to join political parties and stuff like that. Mm. And I think Freedom Association, most of the time, uh, we relate it to uh, politicians because you always hear how the uh, Registrar of Society don't want to register certain new party. And, you know, and, and nowadays we talk a lot about um, can the politicians simply just switch to another party. Yeah. And not all of this has to do with uh, the right to, uh, you know, freedom to associate to a certain, uh, I don't know, union. Uh, I think fear also covered, uh, like trade union yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about the politicians later, but I think uh, we'll just stop there as a sure. uh, brief introduction. Okay, excellent. And um, what clauses or restrictions are there on the right to form associations? So, yeah, it's important um, to uh, mention at the outset that freedom of association is not an absolute freedom, it's not an absolute right. So, yes, there can be restrictions uh, to that right. And it's there in our own constitution under uh, Article 10, uh, 10.2c and also 10.3. So, 10.2c uh, basically says that our uh, right to form association uh, can be restricted where the basis are number one, security of the federation, number two, public order, and number three, morality. So these must be the basis. Uh, it cannot be... Um, well, when we talk about restrictions to human rights, to our human rights, uh, yes, it has to be on the prescribed basis in the law. So for example, in this case, these three grounds, uh, but it, the, the onus is also there to then prove the connection between public order with the purpose of that restrictions mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Meaning to say that the government cannot simply throw in public order and say that, okay, I'm not granting you the right to form association. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what it meant. Uh, other than Article 10 to C, uh, it also talks about Article uh, 10.3. So Article 10.3 uh, basically say that there can be restriction and this restriction uh, can be imposed by uh, labor-related or education-related laws. So mm-hmm. that's what it meant by 10.3. Uh, other than that, there's also Article 149 of the Federal Constitution, which says that uh, there can be legislation for the purpose of, uh, for example, uh, curbing organized violence. Okay. And, and if a law is legislated on that basis, you and that law on the surface, seems to violate our right to form association. Uh, you uh, you cannot use, uh, you cannot on that basis, uh, use it to say that it's unconstitutional because the federal constitution permits such restriction if it is to curb uh, organized violence. So let's say, I don't know, uh, forming an association of a mafia in Malaysia, for example. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Are we? Yeah, I think just to add on, uh, that although the parliament can pass law to restrict these particular uh, fundamental rights, uh, we also have to remember the test is what we call the proportionality test. It cannot be, I think, to put it in a simpler manner, it means they cannot use the sledgehammer to crack a nut. 
it has to have certain uh, objective why they are uh, passing that law to restrict such freedom, but such restriction cannot be too overboard. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, let's just go for a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about you know those anti-hopping laws, which I think always will involve uh, Article 10 of the Federal Constitution. I'm speaking today to Ki Hui Yi, a lawyer with Kanasilinga Menko, and Firdaus Husni, Chief Human Rights Strategist at the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights. It's another episode of Law and Behold. We'll be back after this quick break. You're listening to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Law and Behold on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me on the line today are Ki Hui Yi, a lawyer with Kanasilingam and Co. and Firdaus Husni, the Chief Human Rights Strategist at the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights. We are tackling freedom of association today on Law and Behold, which is of course our monthly series, which wants to get you all on the same page when it comes to our Malaysian federal constitution. So before the break, you know, you guys help to explain what freedom of association is. Also, you know, the right to disassociate as well, right? Um, now let's talk about uh, anti anti-hopping laws, uh, which you both alluded to earlier as well. Discussions on anti-hopping laws, I think, almost inevitably will involve Article 10 of the Federal Constitution. Uh, we all know that the Dewan Rakyat passed the Constitution, Amendment Number 3 Bill 2022 in July this year. And that, of course, seeks to discourage MPs from switching political party allegiance, right? Uh, party hopping, basically, right? What is at the crux of the anti-party hopping law? So they have added Article 49A uh, regarding members of parliament and there's also a change to the 8th schedule uh, pertaining to the state assemblymen. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially it means that uh, these new amendments will cause the MPs or the Aduns to lose their seats if they switch to another party uh, or if they join one after being elected as an independent. So for example, he or she contested the election as an independent candidate and then subsequently join a, a party. Mm. Uh, that will also kick, the effect will also kick in. Um, however, there are exceptions, uh, namely if there's a dissolution or cancellation of the registration of this political party, you are sort of like forced to, to you know, leave this party because it's no longer in existence. Sure. Or um, the expulsion of this politician from his party or uh, the politician has resigned from his party upon becoming a speaker of the Dewan Rakyat or the State Assembly. So these are the exceptions, uh, you know, you will not be disqualified. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Alfred Dawes, anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, well, that uh, basically um, covers what Hui um, has just said. Uh, I do not think that the law that's recently been passed uh, comprehensively covers all of the concerns with regards to uh, anti-hopping. Um, like, for example, if you're talking about an entire party leaving a coalition to join another coalition, I don't think this situation uh, covers that. Mm. Uh, and uh, there is also a concern, for example, a, one of the exceptions that Hui mentioned, that it would not apply if that person is expelled. But what if that particular MP presents himself in such a manner that leaves the party with no choice but to expel him. Yeah. And so therefore, that presents a legal loophole that he can use or abuse. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, all right. And yeah, I think just to add on, I think the, the voices that we've heard from the public or the NGOs on, on this issue is that it doesn't empower, it doesn't give the power back to the voters to determine whether the kata uh, should be, you know, disqualified. You know, this thing still, the power still uh, is with the party. And I think this is something we see potentially quite dangerous 
like Lao Pindar said, you can just, uh, he or she can just behave, make himself expel from the party. Yeah. Um, and I think it doesn't help with the situation because as it is, voters are um, sort of very disappointed with what is happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't see how this amendment will boost the confidence of the voters. Okay. and But, you know, can it be argued that these anti-hopping laws as well, perhaps, you know, there are some benefits, right? Um, but they are also a restriction on the freedom of association that we were talking about as well. Because you are free to disassociate, right, in that sense, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's true. I would say that at the trust of this whole issue, we are actually being presented with, you know, a, con- a conundrum, if mm. you may say so. So on the one hand, you want to say, look, this is our freedom of association under attack. But on the other hand, you can say, well, it's our democracy under attack. If I cannot have confidence that this particular MP that I voted I voted into a parliament will bring the manifesto into action. And that was the basis of why I voted this person in the first place, only to have my MP uh, uh, quit and join an, another party, causing a whole, you know, uh, the government itself to collapse. Then what is the purpose of me participating in that democratic process in the first place? So you've got that argument as well. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, um, there is restric- there can be restrictions on freedom of association. There's no such thing as an absolute freedom of association. Um, and when we talk about the grounds for restriction earlier, I mentioned uh, security, public order and morality. So there can also be an argument where when we talk about the voters' expectation, the voters' mandate, when we talk about carrying through that mandate once you are elected uh, into a position, those accounts for what some people term as political morality. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 isn't that a, a restriction recognized under Article Ten to C? Okay, okay. Well, Ahui, anything you wanted to add to what Frida was just said? Yeah, uh, I think we can look at the quite recent decision by the federal court exactly on this point. So, um, some of the Penang assemblymen have filed a suit against the state assembly and the. I think the speaker and the provision they are challenging is the Penang constitution, whether it is uh, con- constitutional exactly on the point of, of the freedom of association. Mm-hmm. So I think, let me just read what uh, our chief justice has said. Okay, so I thought this is a brilliant judgment. The chief justice has made it clear that a personal right to freedom of association is different when you are elected as an MP or a state assemblyman. So Justice Tanku Maimun said that once he's in the House or state legislature, the nature of his association takes on a different character in that it is no longer his personal right to associate, but now governed by the ticket, mm-hmm. which means he has been voted in by the voters. And, you know, he's sort of, if you want to argue that his right to associate to any party is actually subject to this ticket, the votes that has been given to him. Yeah, so I think we, we need to sort of differentiate this between like a personal right to join a certain uh, association and when you are a uh, officer, an MP, uh, somebody who has been voted in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nicely put, yeah, that uh, came from the Chief Justice. Um, there were some previous cases that I was reading about, and this is before the anti-hopping law came about, right, where this also came into play. So like uh, a Malaysian case known to lawyers uh, as the Nordin Saleh case. Um, uh, but what happened there, you know? I mean, I know that the court held that it was unconstitutional, right, to remove the freedom of association from that legislator in Kelantan. Uh, well, okay, I can start. So the Nordin Saleh case is a 1992 case, mm-hmm. uh, actually, uh, and it was then it was decided by the then Supreme Court. It pertains uh, a law passed by the Kelantan Legislative Assembly okay. with regards to uh, anti-hopping. And uh, Nordin Saleh, uh, a past MP, essentially quit the party and then joined AMNO. Uh, he then filed a challenge as he was affected by this anti-hopping um, state law that Kelantan has. He then filed a challenge and it went up to the uh, Supreme Court. And in that case, a couple of decisions uh, made by uh, the court was that when we talk about restriction to freedom of associations, if we look in the federal constitution, it says parliament may by law. It doesn't say parliament and state legislative assembly may by law. (laughs) So therefore, on that basis, Kelantan state legislative assembly has has no jurisdiction to pass that law, uh, to restrict a constitutional guarantee to uh, freedom of association. That's number one. And number two, the court, defines morality. I mentioned earlier, it's in one of the uh, restrictions, recognized restrictions. The court defined morality as sexual morality. So therefore, in this situation, uh, morality, as I mentioned earlier, political morality doesn't, doesn't apply. I think it reflects the the, the time yeah. <laughs> that morality is defined in such a narrow sense uh, and not in the way that you know we should uh, look at um, different aspects of life. Uh, so uh, I, if you ask Prof Shah, for example, I think in his writing has has actually called or, or rather taken the position that when you talk about morality uh, here, relating it to the conundrum that I mentioned earlier, there is political morality there mm-hmm. for an MP to stick to his ticket, like what Huyi said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, also the court, the Supreme Court recognizes that when we talk about freedom of association it also means freedom to disassociate. So in this case, Nordin Saleh has his right to disassociate himself from the past party and associate himself uh, with Amno party. Yeah, okay. that's what that case basically says. Okay, okay. Uh, we yeah, I think yeah. just, just to add on that, in the federal court uh, case that I mentioned just now, the court heavily relied on what was said in Nordin Saleh and uh, just quote another part of the judgment, uh, is our view that with respect to Nordin Saleh's case, though it is correct to say the right to form associations includes the right to dis- uh, dissociate. However, uh, it was incorrect to find that the right of an elected representative uh, to change political parties is uh, part, of, part and parcel of uh, the right to association guaranteed by Article uh, 10.1c. Mm. So I think this is very clear um, what the message the court is trying to send to us. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. And so just, just kind of moving along, right? I mean, also in relation to freedom of association, there was a lot of unease uh, last year, isn't it, 2021, when the ROS, the Registrar of Societies, rejected the application for registration by both Pajuang and also the Malaysian United D- Democratic Alliance, or MUDA as we know it, uh, both as political parties. Uh, maybe you can just refresh our listeners' memories about, about this, you know, and how that exactly relates to freedom of association. Um, well, uh, briefly, uh, so uh, Pejuang and also the and also Muda uh, wanted to re- register themselves yeah. um, as a party and therefore uh, submitted an application respectively uh, to the uh, the Registrar of Societies, and they were then uh, informed uh, by the Registrar of Societies. Um, there, there was, if I'm not mistaken, there was. Um, quite a, a, a long time before they then hear that their application was re, uh, rejected. Yeah. Uh, and there was a whole, you know, hoo as to why it was rejected. Uh, I should mention here that the Societies Act actually did not uh, put in an obligation on the part of the registrar to provide reasons. Uh, and I would say it was after all of that pressure and the, you know, spotlight on them that the statement that was given was that, oh, uh, the application was rejected because they didn't fulfill some of the conditions, their constitution was unclear or something like that. And so both Pejuang and Muda then took their case to court. And the KL High Court basically uh, then ordered the uh, registrar as well as the uh, minister to register um, Pejuang and Muda uh, accordingly. So... So that was essentially what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and throughout the whole debacle or in the midst of that debacle, Suhakam in the early January 2021 also issued a statement and said that this is exactly why Societies Act have to be reformed. This is exactly why when it comes to registration of societies, we need to have an independent body. Because in this case, it's a situation where uh, registrar of societies uh, on which you know the minister has an absolute discretion, the registrar has uh, you know a lot mm. of uh, powers uh, in a situation in which the registration of a party would not serve the interests of the government, then it would not be handled in an impartial, in a neutral manner that respects uh, one's freedom of association, as we see uh, happening in the case with uh, Pejuang and uh, Muda. And so... Uh, so how come isn't the only one, you know, there are a lot of calls uh, within the civil society to reform the Societies Act uh, mm-hmm. precisely because of this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, anything else you want to add about the Societies Act and, you know, what, what exactly it is, you know, what provisions does it contain? Do you think that's uh, important to mention as well? Um, well, yes. Uh, so, uh, for example, I mentioned, uh, I already mentioned that the registrar has white powers, right? And yeah. then... Uh, when we look at the uh, wording of the Societies Act, uh, let me just read the relevant part here. The registrar shall refuse to register a local society where the constitution or rules do not contain provision uh, for all matters set out, da 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 And then to the end, it also says, or any other matters which the, regi- uh, the registrar may reasonably require. So it's up to the registrar mm. to put whatever requirement he or she wants. Yeah. Uh, failing which that person, the, the registrar can refuse. So that that is, you know, that is essentially a, 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 an, a, an immense power uh, on the part of registrar. 
uh, which goes to say that your freedom of association is subjected to that power. That cannot be. That cannot be the case. That's one. And then the ministers have absolute discretion to declare a society as unlawful. What is the basis? Yeah. What is the reason? No, there it, it's not. You will not find in the Societies Act that he has to provide a reason. That reason has to be cogent with the restriction that I mentioned earlier in the federal constitution. No, there's nothing that mandate the minister to do that. He simply has an absolute discretion. <laughs> um, and so, and so, these are uh, among the two main contention why Societies Act um, has to go. Mm. And when we look at uh, the track record mm. on the application of the Societies Act. So aside from Perjuang and Muda, we've seen uh, PSM. It took them 10 years to be registered. Correct. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, and then uh, Pakatan Harapan. Their, their application was re rejected, which is why there was a bit of an issue leading to the 14th general election where they cannot contest on their own banner. Yes. So that was one. And then uh, a lot of uh, the non-governmental organization also, you know, faces the same predicament. And so that is why they would, if they can, they would prefer not to uh, form association under Societies uh, Act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other options would they have if it's not formed under Societies Act? So like an NGO, I mean, that's what Pejuang did, right? They formed themselves as an NGO first when, when they were not allowed to form as a political party, right? Mm. Well, there are several uh, several other uh, ways okay. if uh, one decided not to form association under a society's act. You can look at well, the establishing yourself as a company, for example, uh, okay. Companies Act, or the Trust Trustees uh, Incorporation Act, uh, for example. So, or a yayasan, mm -hmm. a foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of these brings with it different functions, different powers, uh, different requirements. So uh, even though one may argue, well, if you establish yourself as a company, then you would have like, you know, more autonomy, isn't it? Yeah. But Companies Act also has regulations and requirements. So, yeah. Okay, okay. And, you know, we, we always say that the constitution is the law of laws, right? So even that, you know, the Societies Act still has that power, isn't it? Even though that is stated in our constitution with those, of course, those, those clauses. But yeah, that still happens. Yeah, that's right. I do think that a case can be made uh, if one were to highlight these crosses that I mentioned, sorry, these uh, sections that I mentioned earlier in the Societies Act. Yeah. If you, if we were to challenge that against the constitutional guarantee for our freedom of association mm -hmm. and the the permissible restriction, I think a case can be made there. Okay, all right. Uh, sorry, we I, I didn't ask. Anything you wanted to add to what Fridao said? Okay, I think uh, just to add on a little bit on what uh, what other options that, you know, if you want to form an NGO, I think the, the challenge really is um, to form a company is not as easy as we think. Yeah. And under the Companies Act, uh, you will, you have more, I think, more stringent requirements that you, you need to meet. For example, every year you have to audit your accounts. Uh, as a society, you don't have to do that. So, you know, if you impose such requirements on the, uh, a charity, a charitable uh, organization or NGO, it's quite hard. And mm. if the uh, registrar of the RS has such a great power just to reject applications without providing a reason, mm. uh, that is not good uh, for NGOs and, and it affects everybody. Yeah. 
Okay, all right. Just one more thing I wanted to ask you guys about uh, with regard to freedom of association. How does it relate to joining a trade union or a federation? You know, what sort of uh, what constitutes freedom of association in the union movement? Well, uh, when we talk about freedom of association, where um, unions are concerned or labor laws are concerned, uh, the the ILO, uh, International uh, Labor. Um, uh, actually recognizes that recognizes that uh, employees, workers have the right to establish a union, to join a union, and the union also has the right to affiliate itself with you know other organization with international organizations um, included. Uh, so it essentially says that uh, workers uh, uh, their right to join, uh, and then together with a common cause to further promote uh, workers' rights, mm-hmm. uh, they have that freedom. But at the same time, I think it's also important to mention here, it's not just about joining a union yeah. and that's it. Um, I remember um, hearing experiences in which union members, they are facing difficulties from their employers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as somewhat a, a punishment or a penalty for joining union and doing union work. And to me, that should also be considered as a violation to one freedom of association. It's almost as if you are penalized for exercising your human right, for exercising your constitutionally guaranteed right. So uh, say, for example, if you need to attend a union uh, meeting, then that person will be uh, uh, the for that time that person joined, then it will be taken out of their pay, for example. So there are some of these uh, practices which, um, to me, uh, does not encourage a full enjoyment of the exercise to freedom of association where it relates to uh, trade unions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Union busting, right? I think that's a phrase that we use as well. And I remember I've interviewed uh, the hospital cleaners before, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, they. Um, I spoke to the cleaners themselves. And though, of course, it was hard to prove, basically once they had joined the union, then their contract was not extended, you know, because they had, you know, but there was no way of actually, you know, saying that, right? Because they were just kept on a contract basis. So every year it was renewed. Once they joined the union, then the next year their contract was not renewed, you know, that sort of situation. So there's all these loopholes as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they are, well, 1001 little, yeah. little ways, which may be direct, which may be indirect, uh, yeah. you know, and then they can turn around and say, so you're, you're not performing. So, you know, this is not a, a union issue. This is not union yeah. uh, busting. Yeah. Uh, and so when we talk about uh, union, there's also, I think there should also be a recognition of the imbalance of power dynamics. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, imbalance definitely. of uh, yeah, uh, where, you know, employer is the one uh, paying the salary, employer is the one renewing uh, the contract. And it's all the more important to recognize that right to form to form union because you need that solidarity in order to push for workers' rights where there are violations of that rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hui, sorry, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, just to mention a few uh, provisions under the law, um, Phil has actually covered most of the things. Um, and uh, both of you mentioned about whether the employer can stop someone from joining a union. Uh, it's actually under, I think it's under Section 5 of the Industrial Relations Act. Um, the employer cannot 
uh, impose any term in the contract, which I think nowadays they're not that dumb. They won't do it. They cannot impose the term to say that you are prohibited from joining a trade union mm. and uh, the employer cannot refuse to employ a person simply because he's a member of a, a union. And there are other things. And Section 7 also talks about the employees cannot be forced to join a union. So it's uh, all covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the catch really is not everybody can join a, a union. Uh, if you look at Trade Union Act, uh, Section 26, 27, and 27A, these provisions talk about the membership of a union. So anybody who is below 16 cannot join a union, and any public officer, like a civil servant, mm. they cannot join a union. And uh, you might have heard of um, certain positions, uh, employees, they can also cannot join a union, uh, like those who are holding security posts, and those who are employed in a confidential security capacity, and those who are in management and professional groups. So, yeah, we, we do have the Trade Unions Act. Um, and I think, uh, to me, uh, we need to move along with time as well. This is also a legislation that we should relook at, mm-hmm. uh, because not at, at, as much as we think that, oh, we have the union to protect us, but there's still, like what the Fury said, uh, there are many loopholes, and it's not a, a perfect legislation. And certain groups of employees are actually exempted uh, from joining a union. Yeah, I remember. I remember this was. I mean, this is just uh, something I heard about. Um, you know, somebody was offered a management post so that they would <laughs> be taken out of the trade union in the end. You know, so, but of wow. course they didn't accept that. But you know, again, ways to sort of manage this thing, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, okay, never mind. And um, you know, in terms of um, laws, right? What are some of the other laws that govern our freedom of association? Uh, well, um, we've discussed the Societies Act. We've also, I've also mentioned Trustees and Corporation Act. Uh, we've also uh, talked about the uh, Companies Act. Uh, and there are also laws, uh, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but there are also laws that govern the uh, establishment of a foundation, a yayasan. Okay. That, that yayasan uh, would be considered under the uh, under the JPM, under the Prime Minister's uh, Department. So, uh, yeah, so they are that as well. Uh, at the same time, there are also uh, specific laws, I would say, that govern specific bodies. So, for example... Um, Puyi is a lawyer, a member of the Malaysian Bar, and Malaysian Bar, its creation is governed by the Legal Profession Act. Okay. Uh, so that's an example of a law that uh, governs freedom of association with regards to the Malaysian Bar. And uh, aside from that, Suhakam, they are also created by an Act of Parliament called the Suhakam Act. Uh, and so that is also uh, a law uh, that relates to um, freedom of association for Sohakam. Uh, so, so yeah, that's just some example. Okay. All right. Um, well, thank you so much, ladies, uh, you know, for joining me today and for helping to explain what freedom of association is. But before I let you go, any last message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, well, I can start. And I mentioned earlier in my explanation that... Um, when we look at the track record of the Applications of Societies Act, it has 
been it has also been used against uh, non-governmental organizations. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring um, the listeners' attention to uh, an international recognition through a UN document uh, called the Declaration on the Right and Responsibilities of Individual Groups and Organs of Society to Promote and Protect Universally Recognized Human Rights and Fundamental Freedoms. I know it's mouthful, but... Essentially, this particular document uh, affirms uh, the number of uh, human rights that are crucial to the work of human rights defenders. Mm -hmm. That's where NGOs uh, and their establishment comes in. And in this declaration, among others, the human rights defenders' right to freedom of association is also recognised. And I want to point out here that when we talk about international human rights law, uh, these are obligations on the part of the state to promote, respect and protect that right. Yeah. So where a society's act is making it almost impossible for a non-governmental organisation to uh, register themselves under society's act, this is not a state uh, respecting that right mm-hmm. to uh, freedom of association. Uh, so I think this is something that we definitely, you know, we all must look into our current law, Societies Act primarily, and it's really timely for reforms to be done uh, already. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you for those. Uh, Hui? Okay, I, I think uh, we need to keep an eye on, again, our politicians, uh, pay attention to all our the anti-hopping laws and stuff because there are times where um, we need to make some noise, uh, whether we are happy with the amendment of the constitution or any laws that have been passed. And um, we have given uh, a few examples of the cases that have gone to court and we have received positive, I would say, response from the bench. Mm-hmm. But because the amendment has just been passed, we are not sure how it's going to go. And uh, recently, because the election is also coming, uh, it's not only about the freedom of association, whether you know politicians can join, can switch parties. We are also very concerned with uh, the political funding and stuff. So all of these are actually affecting our democracy and our, our lives. So I think we need to understand the law and also put some pressure when it's necessary on the politician. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Ahui and Firdaus, for joining me today. I've been speaking to Firdaus Husni, Chief Human Rights Strategist, Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights, and Kihui, a lawyer with Kanasilingomenko. We were attacking freedom of association uh, on Law and Behold. If you missed any part of our conversation today, download the podcast at bfm.my slash learn, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Law and Behold on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.